Well, Merry Christmas. It's a great time of the year, and as we go on in 2 Corinthians, I look forward to what God has for us as we think about what Christ brought to us when he died, came and died to us, uh, came and died for us. <laughs> Let's pray. Dear Lord, we just thank you so much for this morning. I just pray that you would give me the words to say, that we would uh, understand your word accurately, Lord, and that we'd be moved by your spirit. We just pray that... Uh, you would teach us what you would have, and that we would be changed. We just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, some of you probably have more experience about this than me, but i, I just like you to think for a minute about the difference between renting a home and buying a home. So I've never actually owned a home. I've only ever rented from places, but some of you maybe have owned a home. I have never owned rental homes where I've rented to other people, but I lived with a guy one time that had rental homes, and I helped him fix them up and stuff, so I, I, while pretty noob on it, I'm not totally, totally noob on it. Noob is a video game term. You call someone a noob when they haven't played the video game very much, and they're not very good. So if you're wondering why I keep saying we're noob, there's about four of you understood what I was talking about there. Uh, so anyway, you think about when you're renting a house or you're renting an apartment, when things start to, you know, when things start to, you know, maybe the trim's not looking so good anymore. You just run into place. What do you do? Well, you might fix it, but you're probably not going to. Because maybe you try to get the owner of the apartment to fix it or the owner of the house to fix it. But if it's not like terrible, you know, you might, you might just leave it. You go, well, am I going to upgrade all the carpet? Well, I'm, you don't own the carpet. You're not going to upgrade it. Right? You, when you think about renting versus buying, you treat your home quite differently. Now, hopefully, even though you're a renter, you're still respectful. You know, I hope you don't, you know, don't trash the place or whatever. But you would treat it somewhat differently. And so as we think about the passage today, I'd like us to think about the difference between renting and buying. Now, I'm going to say the parallel I'm going to make in renting and buying a home and the renting and buying in our passage today isn't perfect, and there's a lot of problems with it. But I'd like you to think about the fact that you treat things differently when you're renting compared to buying. So let's go ahead and look at chapter 5, starting at verse 1. It says, For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed... We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So what is this says, for we know, that, that's, the, that's a phrase that means they definitely should have known this before. He's likely told them this before. He's reminding them of something. I don't know about you, but when I was really little, and I don't remember this so well anymore, but I always wanted to know new things. And then as you go on, you learn more and more new things, and you realize you've forgotten half the things you knew before, right? And so being, my, being reminded isn't quite so bad as it used to be. I think it's my father-in-law, and if it's not him, I feel bad, but he'll, he'll joke that he can watch the same shows over and over again because he forgot what happens anyway, so it's like it's uh, all brand new to him. So he's being reminded of this thing, and it says that if, your tent, if, that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, what is the tent talking about? Well, if we think back to verse Chapter 4, we know that this tent is our body. See, this, our body, the tent, is going to be destroyed. So what is our permanent home that we are going to abide in? Is it this earthly body? No, it's going to be a heavenly body. So how do we think about ourselves and our body and our time on earth because 
this tent of ours isn't the final answer. So, for example, if, if you thought this body of yours was the final answer, wouldn't you do everything money could possibly buy to preserve it as long as you, I mean, this is it. This is it. This is your final home. Then, you know, what else could you possibly spend your money on or do with your life? Anything to make you healthier. Anything that might give you a small chance to live just a minute longer might be worth it. But we have a building from God, a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. Verse 2, for in this tent we groan. So our current tent we groan, right? It's a rental. It's really not that great. I have, I'm pretty lucky I have a great rental, but the, the apartment I remember, you know, Hopefully, some of you had experience. You get out of college or high school or whatever it is, and you kind of get on your own. You get that first apartment. It's great to you, but, man, it's always something's broke, isn't it? Mine smelled a tiny bit like cigarette smoke, kind of all the time. It was a non-smoking apartment. I don't smoke, and I'm not really used to the smoke. I don't really like it that well. And I don't know if it was the person in the basement or how it was getting through the ducts, but my clothes started smelling like smoke. And so on and so forth. And, you know, our tent, our bodies are the same. They just always don't work right. They're just always, they're not right. They're longing to be put on our heavenly dwelling. For if indeed by putting it on, we not, may not be found naked. So we're currently in this temporary dwelling. We think about wanting to be in this eternal dwelling. And indeed, by putting it on, we may not be found naked. Now, when I thought about this, this is what I thought this meant, not being found naked. I thought, okay, so if we do not have an earthly dwelling, and there's talking about being found naked, I thought that probably meant something like our spiritual nakedness before God, that we were going to be laid bare in all of our sins before him. Because without a heavenly body, without Christ giving us some sort of clothing or whatnot, you know, we would be, you know, our sin would be shown. This is what I thought it meant. And then I think I was convinced that probably what this means is when we become Christians and we look forward to our time in heaven, it's not that we no longer have a body. We're no longer going to have a body anymore. It's that we're going to have a different body. So if indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked, it's because we'll always have this body and we're going to have a heavenly body. We go into verse 4, where we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed. So that is what is mortal, may be swallowed up by life. So it's not that we want to be unclothed, but that we want to be clothed with something different. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. You know, have you ever bought something and they say, don't worry, there's a rebate on this. It's, only, it's going to cost $50 less than what you're really buying it for. You know why they do rebates, or they used to do rebates? I, haven't, I feel like I haven't seen one in a long time. You know why they always did rebates? Certain people didn't do their part to send the rebate back. And so they'd always make money on it. 
So when they say, don't worry, you're going to get your money back, is this a guarantee? You'll get your money back if, if. Read a lot of fine print, probably got to be within a certain time, make sure you send the right thing back, so on and so forth. And some people look at salvation this way. So, without getting too granular, there have always been two strains of Baptists. There are ones called the General Baptist and one's called the Particular Baptist. The guys on Wednesday night should be nodding with just super strong strength because they know exactly what I'm talking about. And the Particular Baptists have always believed that, you know, believed in eternal security, that you couldn't lose your salvation. The General Baptists have always believed you could lose your salvation. Now, time has gone on, and most people don't even know who's particular and who's general, and so this has kind of gone on. But American Baptists are actually... Uh, descendants of a uh, particular Baptist. So technically we're descendants of people who did believe you can, that you do not lose your salvation. Because I think about it like this. When it says, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee, I think if that guarantee is dependent on me doing a whole bunch of things right to keep it going, doesn't feel like much of a guarantee. It doesn't feel like much of a guarantee to me. I think a guarantee is I'm going to get that money back no matter what I do. And I think that is how salvation is. That God, he's prepared for us this place. And when we put our faith and trust in Christ, we are guaranteed a place in heaven for eternity. So we go on to verse 6. So we are always... Of good courage, we know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. So we are always of good courage. You know, there's been people that have gone in missions to dangerous places that have risked their life. And sometimes we Christians, we say, well, that's good for them, but I could never do that. Or they'll say, it's good for other people's kids. To go on dangerous missions, but not my kids, not my grandkids, some other people's grandkids. How about I give you $50 and we'll call it good? This is what I like to think. If you are afraid to do something dangerous, even though you think God would want would be best, might you be seeing your body as the eternal home? That it's what matters? Or do you see our physical body as expendable? It's expendable. It's just temporary. And when we make decisions where we don't do what God wants because we are worried about our physical bodies, we are acting like our physical bodies are what really matters. Or what really matters. I'm not suggesting you don't diet, exercise, and blah, 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 blah. But what I'm saying is when we choose safety, Security over God. We are putting our rental above the home that we are going to own someday. For we walk by faith, not by sight. You know, you know why it's so easy to worry about the rental? I'm in the rental right now. I can see the rental. I feel it when it hurts. I feel it when it's, I get to eat something that tastes good. And we feel the rental. 
See, we as believers, we live and we make decisions that other people do not understand. When we do something dangerous, when we do something risky, when we do something that doesn't have security, everyone should go, that doesn't make any sense the way you live. You say, it's because I am walking by faith and not by sight. I am doing something for the eternal home I will have someday, not here. And so if a non-believer sees your life and can completely understand every decision you make, you know what that might mean? It might mean we're not doing it right. It might mean we're not doing it right. We should be making decisions because we're living in a rental while the unbeliever is living in the home they think they will have forever. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body at a home with the Lord. Of course, we'd rather not be here. We'd rather be away. We need to live like that. We need to live like what we really care about is pleasing God and not keeping our rental in the best shape possible. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Now this idea of the judgment seat, this is very interesting. I don't know how many of you have taken part in this debate. But one way to look at the judgment seat is like this. One day we're going to die, we're going to go to heaven, we're going to go before God, and we're going to have a judgment. And so he is going to put up on the wall a poster, and then a certain amount of years later, it was like some kind of see-through projector thingy, and then it became a PowerPoint, now it's a TV, whatever it is he's going to use, right? He's going to put up all of our sins on the wall, and we are going, and the good and the evil that we've done, and we are going to have to answer for them. And so I don't know about you, that's going to be a bit of a depressing time, okay? So, I mean, there's going to be lots of evil things that we'll have done that will go over there. That's, that's actually probably more of the long-standing view that I've heard more of not. So if you're going to have a good youth event and you want to scare all the teenagers into trying to be good, you're going to say, remember what you, Susie, Tony, remember what you guys do. It's going up on the board one day. So uh, remember that. You know, from what you look at online, remember that that's going to be up there someday. So that's one way to look at it. And that, that might be right. And actually, if you look at 2 Corinthians, it's, it really kind of sounds that way. And I, I think he talks about it more in 2 Corinthians. Here's a second way that you might look at it. And the reason I talk about this one is I had a professor who was very strongly believed this is more how it worked. He saw the judgment seat of Christ more as like a celebration of the good things that you did, not showing the bad things. Now, how he always reconciled that, what you have done, whether good or evil, I'm not exactly sure. But he believed that because um, God has forgiven us for our sins and he's promised never to bring them up again, he would never go and shame us for our sins later on after we go to heaven. That was kind of how he viewed it. So therefore, the judgment seat of Christ was more like a celebration ceremony. We'd receive our crowns. We'd throw those crowns back to him. It's kind of a complicated thing of verses on how he put that all together. I'm not really sure which one it is. And whether it's just a celebration of the good things or where the good and the bad are put up, I don't know about you, but I would like there to be a lot of good things up there that day. I would like to be able to have a lot of wonderful things to be celebrated or have more good than bad, depending on how you... I, I would love to see that, right? You know, when the people went 
And they, they went to, un, more than one was done, go to unreached people group and they die because of it. And they go to their eternal home. Are they going to go say, well, that wasn't worth it? That wasn't worth it. When missionaries have gone to foreign countries where the medical's bad and the insurance is no good and might not want to tear your Achilles there and they get a crappy surgery and they're limping limp for the rest of their life and they go to heaven one day and say, yeah, yeah, that bad doctor I had over in Tanzania, poor Tanzania, I don't, maybe they have great doctors there, I don't know, but you know, wherever I had it, wasn't worth it, wasn't worth it. When I go before the judgment seat of Christ, I do not ever want to say, well, I made my decisions because I cared about this body more than I cared about pleasing you. We need to please God with our life and live our life like we have a temporary body. You know, our funerals, right, and they often are this way, they should be so different. When a believer dies, good news. Good news. A sad, sad, of course, a sad, where we want to see them again. It's not, it's not like it's not sad. I'm not suggesting that we don't have sad feelings. But they finally got out of their temporary crappy body that's always failing them, and they get to have eternity. And as we are living in this temporary body, please let us live like we are in a temporary body, not like this is all that there is. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we just thank you so much. We pray that we would think as we go through our daily life that what we do now is of temporary and everything that we do not do for you is such minimal importance. Sometimes we get wrapped up in our health or maybe it's got to be that car, it's got to be that house, or it's got to be whatever. And we put so much emphasis on that, and then we have a ministry opportunity, and we say, that's just a little too much sacrifice. Lord, I just pray that we would be wise, that we would live like we are in temporary bodies. We just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.